1: These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
0: What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up Dream Nation? We're back again with another episode and this one I'm excited about for a little bit different reason. I'm excited because we're going to be able to talk about one of my first loves and that is poker and that is mindset. And so I think that we have the perfect person on to talk about that. But of course, we're going to talk about how exactly you can level up in life and in business and how you can make them all align. And so without further ado, please help me in welcoming my new friend, Mr. Alec Torelli to the show. Alec, you I want to go ahead and say what's up to dream nation
1: hey what's up dream nation I'm happy to be here uh, honored to be here and uh, thanks for having me appreciate it man
0: Yeah, this is going to be a good one, man. So for anybody who doesn't know you, I always like to make sure that we can start off with the proper introduction. And the way that I do that is I make the comparison of entrepreneurs being just like superheroes. And the reason why is because we're constantly putting on capes, we're flying around the world, and we're trying to solve the biggest problems in the world. And so before you became this business owner, before you became this world-renowned poker player and thought leader, talk talk to us us about who you were when you were just a young boy and specifically tell us who is Alec Torelli.
1: Well, I mean, I, so I discovered poker at a very young age and you know, I started playing poker when I was 16. So before, before then I wasn't doing much and you know, I was in high school, I was hustling some, some side things. Like I, I had a flyer delivery business where I would, take flyers and deliver them from people like door to door. I called it doormat delivery. And so I was employing some of my friends and I kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit where I was doing a little bit of side hustle stuff. And I used that money to fuel my poker playing, but I really went all in on poker at a very young age. And I like really fell in love with this game uh, because I saw it as a way that I can do something fun and I love doing it. But then it was like so cool to me that I could like make money doing it. Cause most hobbies are like video games, which, you know, they don't have, you know, there's no like leveling up, right? You just have a new character that you're building, but you can't quite oh. profit from it. So this was like, oh my gosh, I could play poker and everyone was getting a job. And I was like, well, if I can, you know, make money playing online or with friends or at the local casino that, you know, you only have to be 18 to go into, I can just like avoid doing all that. And I could also do something that I would rather be doing this game than anything else. So I really, really fell in love with it at a young age and I like completely dedicated myself to, learning and like reading books and talking with friends and it was always something that was not just like oh I just like playing this because it's fun but it's like I always wanted to be a little bit better so I was always kind of challenging the status quo of like how people were playing and trying to find new creative ways to Play my hands and develop strategies to like beat my friends, and then to beat people at the casino or online. Uh, and that's really what helped. It was it was the combination of like the love for the game and really wanting to learn, with putting in the time and work to to get better and not just like you know show up and have fun, but also show up and have fun, but also just trying to measure yourself based on how you were yesterday and get a little bit better. And that process you know took me uh, took me a very long way in poker. So
0: when you were younger, were you the kid who was always like a card player? Or you were always trying to like finagle some way or betting or anything like that? Or was it completely a, a 180 to 360 when all of a sudden you just found the love for poker and now all of a sudden you tell your parents that this is what you want to do?
1: No, it was, okay. So I was always like betting on things with friends and like, I would, I, I, I this, this might beat me a little bit with your audience, but I collected pogs, which were those little circular things of paper. And then they had slammers and keenies, which are like these little metallic things. And you put the papers on top of each other and they're little round circular things. And you drop a little metallic thing on top of it. And if you flip it over, you get to keep the other person's pogs. right? So this was like Mm -hmm. a popular game when I was a kid. And so I would always play this game and I would collect these things. I would collect cards and I would like trade the cards and try and do arbitrage and sell them. And so I would like, I would always be doing these like sort of betting things. I would be betting on like Random things like who can swim to the other side of the pool faster. And like, so I got really good at like understanding yeah. odds and like not like since not necessarily the math, but just like a good idea for like how to gain an edge and how right. to think about like the mindset of a gambler. Like, you only risk certain amounts of money and this, these, these sorts of things. So I was always like, you know, fascinated with this sort of stuff. Uh, I learned poker as a kid with like family. Like, I would play with, you know, at, with family at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I don't want to say I was like, I, I definitely wasn't like natural, but at the same time, it was like, it, it was something that I was familiar with and I really loved and I had like a, a passion for it to begin with. And then when I found it with friends, it was like, wow, you know, I was not great at sports in school and I was like, you know, in musical theater. And so I found something that I could like beat my friends at, which was so cool to me being in high school something that I could compete at. It was like a mental sport. So I was like, okay, uh, this is awesome. And then, you know, I just totally fell in love with the game. So yeah, there was a little bit of, you know, it was was like a natural fit in some ways for me. Uh, I think people wouldn't be surprised to hear that I played poker. Yeah. And
0: What's, what's crazy about it is I remember when you started talking about people going out and getting a job, and I was the exact same way. It was like we were all looking for that one thing that we could do that we necessarily didn't have to go do what our parents or our grandparents, and it felt like op- uh, that poker was like that open source for us to be whoever we wanted to be, and you could create as much money as you wanted, but on top of that, the environment, it just seemed like there were so many young, you didn't have to go very far, of course, two plus two which you know for anybody uh who doesn't know were you ever on two plus two
1: Eh, not really but yeah i know the site yeah
0: got it so for me two plus two was like a big site because it felt like there were so many people there that i wasn't crazy right it allowed you even your dj moments right when you go on tilt and you would just all of a sudden lose you know because you jump up to a higher table or whatever else and you're like now nah, I got to get my money back especially in the world of online now if you were offline but anyway with that it felt like you could you could find your tribe pretty quickly my question yeah. to you is when you were first starting out did you have a tribe earlier were all of your friends playing poker as well or was this like the thing that you really knew that you wanted to do but everybody else was like uh, I don't know that that's the way that you should be going
1: yeah, So it's a good question. I think it's really important to have a group of people that are like-minded that are working towards similar things, because like you said, it does give you confidence to know that you're not alone, especially when you're pursuing something esoteric. You know, people otherwise are like, you know, you're crazy. What are you doing? Especially this was back you know, 15 years ago when I started playing where poker wasn't like known like it is today. Like it wasn't as big on television and all this stuff where now there's like, you know, people see young people playing poker and doing well. So yeah. Like, so when I was growing up in high school, everyone was playing and everyone liked poker and it was kind of cool, but there was only like a couple people that were really serious about it that really saw it as something that they wanted to do beyond just a recreational fun hobby. And so there was a clear distinction between people that were like, oh, I like playing poker. It's fun. But like, you guys are crazy for ever wanting to be successful or pursue that. And there was me and kind of like one other guy that really liked it. And, and he really gave me a lot of confidence that like, I wasn't alone. So we were kind of in it together and we were like, you know, dreaming, like after high school, we're going to do this, we're going to like travel and be pros. And so like, that really gave me confidence. And then when I was 18, I went to my first live poker tournament in the Bahamas. Mm. And there I met a lot of other people that were like me, except from all around the country. And so it was like, wow, I'm not alone. There's this group of people that are, you know, some of them were already ahead of me and they already well and they had saved up this bankroll and they were, uh, you know, playing full time online. And I was like, wow, there were other people that were doing that. And so surrounding myself with other like-minded people and networking with them and then also learning from them, where like I could, you know, learn the strategies that they were doing that were working and they could learn from me. And we were like really helping each other progress and get better and be ahead of the curve was really, really valuable. So for people that are in entrepreneurship too, I think that's also really important because there's so many things I've learned in in poker and then also the business world from other people that are doing similar things, even if it's in another industry. Like if you're selling shoes and someone's selling hats, like it doesn't matter because the way that you need to build a brand or market yourself online or develop a product are all very similar. And so there's very, there's a lot of similar crossover strategies and finding other like-minded people, not only will give you confidence, and help you like progress, but also just give you the tactics and and knowledge and resources to improve. So that was huge for me in poker. I I can't uh, overstate that enough. And throughout my whole career, I've always been lucky to be around some of the best players in the world. And that's really helped me reach uh, the levels that I've been able to.
0: Talk to me about when you first started and you know, before you started to play all around the world and then train other people on how to do it and have their mindset, what was your biggest struggle?
1: Well, hmm, I guess it depends on which part of my career because definitely had many setbacks. I guess the hardest, the hardest thing was building up a bankroll and um, doing really well at poker for a period of time and saving up and being really disciplined and moving up in limits and like building up this progress and then making a mistake because you maybe you mismanage your money correctly or your mindset isn't right and you can't control your emotions. So you start playing poorly, which causes you to lose more money. And then on top of that, you're getting unlucky while that's happening. And then you perhaps overcompensate by moving up in stakes, to try and get your money back. And then there's this just like cascade of disaster. Which so is that what I was referring
0: to earlier as going on tilt.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and that happened early in my career where I didn't have the proper bankroll management system in place. My mindset wasn't as strong as it is today. Uh, and I made those mistakes early on in my career you know I was in my young 20s or my late teens and uh, actually when I was 18, 18, 19 I had one of the biggest years in online poker. I I won the biggest tournament in online poker at the time which was like a little over a quarter million and then I was one of the biggest winners in in online poker in 2007 in the whole world so uh, I built up a, a large bankroll and I started I was playing the biggest games in the world online And I was doing really well. But then, you know, the year after, I started to let ego get into the situation. I stopped learning and improving. Uh, The games got tougher. I started, you know, like hit a bad run. I got unlucky in certain spots. And then my mindset wasn't right, like I said. And so I started to play poorly. And I lost a lot of the money back that I had earned. And so that was really difficult to kind of have the humility to move down in stakes and build back up and grind again after a huge setback, you know, going from being on top and playing the biggest games to you know moving back down and having to like really rebuild things Um, was very very difficult uh, mentally and also just emotionally and also just knowing that you have like this really long road ahead and knowing that you made this like you know that that it's large I mean there's luck involved so you know some of it is out of your control but largely you could have reduced the damage by managing your, your money and your emotions better so knowing that it was my fault and that wow you know like i'm hopefully never going to make this mistake again but knowing that it's going to take a long time to get out of it was was very difficult so that that's really an interesting um, point in your in one's career when it's easy to you know play well and have everything go right when you're winning but it's really when you're losing and you have the setbacks that one learns how bad they really wanted it and so that was a point for me where i realized you know what like okay i hate poker and i could curse the gods and all this stuff but i really want this you know i really want to win at this game i really want to be on top i really want to be one of the best players i can and so it really tests you and and, and that's when you hit those brick walls you learn whether or not it's something that you really want in life and i think that's true in in business or poker or whatever so i think it's a good test because when you when you have that adversity you learn uh, what you really value and if you're willing to push through it it means it's something that's worth pursuing if not it probably means you didn't want it bad enough in the first place and maybe it's not you know, the right direction for you. So that was a, it was an interesting point for me in my career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, adversity, it builds character. We say that all the time. And so you have to understand that going through it, yes, you're being tested, but at the end you come out with a testimonial and you'll never really have the appreciation for the love, whatever love you have, whether it's business, poker, whatever, if you didn't go through it and then you didn't come back stronger to understand that you could have been wiped out right like if you didn't have the right mental and you would have just kept spiraling down you could have lost everything but now the second time around because you've been tested you're like hey let me make sure that I can maybe put a stop clause in in my life in my process right so I don't go down this whole spiral hole again because then I'm going to feel even worse because now I know better but yeah I didn't even do better right? So that's a, a, a big deal. And I appreciate you saying that. And I think that people in business, you know, no matter what, where you are in life right now, that's something to really take heed to, because there's people right now that are looking at it and they're saying, look, I'm struggling right now. Right. And And I feel like I'm going down my spiral, but I don't know necessarily how to stop it. And so that leads to the next question of like, how did you have that breakthrough? How did you have that moment to say, okay, here's where it stops? Was it a book? Was it a mentor? Or was it just the deepest Of darkest, where people felt like they turned on you, and you were like, "Look, I got to get it together on my own."
1: Well, there's definitely a point—at least for me—where I was like, "You know, you really have to come to terms with where you're at right now and do like a new accounting and accept the current reality." So, a lot of it was like, "Okay, let me just—you know—I'm not back at this point where my bankroll was this, and I I need to stop trying to get it back to that point overnight. I need to accept that it's not going to be what it was." today, tomorrow, or the next day. And that, you know, I have to take account of what is reality right now. Even if I don't like what it is, I have to accept what it is. And that was the first part for me was really looking at it and saying, okay, what is my current strategy? Not what is the strategy that worked when, you know, my bankroll was five times what it was, or when I was, you know, ahead of the curve and winning in these games or whatever. What is my strategy right now? I need to You know focus on changing my strategy because my current strategy isn't working i need to move down in these limits and so i needed to change my approach because my old approach wasn't working and that's hard to do because it's you know it's there's 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 some ego involved and it's acknowledging that what what was working in the past isn't currently working today and so that's that was hard to do you know you have to kind of distance yourself from the situation at least for me to see it clearly enough to accept a difficult reality, you know, to accept a temporary setback. It's not a failure, but it's a setback. So that was the first part. And then the second part was being in the right mindset mentally to accept the long grind. So not trying to get, you know, everything back today, because that leads to over aggression, right? It leads to making poor decisions to try and compensate to just, you know, make a get rich quick plan. And that's not the way it works. You know, you have to kind of build slowly over a long period of time. So it was, it was accepting that, okay, you know, to climb back up this mountain, you know, it's kind of like you climb at to the top of the mountain and then, you know, you skydive off the cliff. You're not going to just fly up the mountain again, right? So it's going right. stop for that and really saying, okay, I got to, you know, put one foot in front of the other. What is it that I can do today that is the little grain of sand that I could put down that's going to help me build that mountain again? Uh, and so was really looking, uh, you know, it, if from a new lens and, and, and taking enough time off and disconnecting enough to come back to be in that mental place where I can, I can make that progress again. And I knew what to do because I had gotten there before. Uh, so I had, a, had to have a different approach, but I, I knew that I could climb the mountain. And so that gave me confidence that I, you know, I've, I've been successful at what I'm trying to be successful at now. So I know I can do it. I know it's within me. I know I have the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the drive and the talent, And then it was really just working towards it and like also just finding ways to measure my progress in the interim before I got to, you know, the final destination. So it was having milestones along the way to say, okay, you know, these are the, you know, the stepping stones to get to the top of the mountain. And so how can I use that to build momentum and confidence and also be to checking in every time to make sure that I'm still sharp. I'm staying ahead of the curve. I'm studying. I'm doing everything I need to do to progress from one milestone to the next because what gets you from point A to point B might not be the same thing that gets you from B to C and mm-hmm. so on. So it was it was it was doing that and keeping my feet on the ground and having that humility mm-hmm. that really was important and I learned that the hard way after, you know, reaching the top and just thinking you're going to stay there forever without putting in the work. Uh, and it's really when you get to the, the top that you need to work even harder because there's more and more people chasing you and it's it's even more competitive. So Those were some of the things that really helped me and just accepting that it's, you know, it's going to take a while, but that's, that's part of the journey.
0: Yeah, man. And I love the fact that you said that analogy or the story about if you make it to the top of the mountain and then you fly down pretty quickly, whether you jump off or you slide back down, you got to understand that you're not just going to reappear and fly back up to the top of the mountain. You still got to build it. And I mean, you can look at it even as like, you know, a big water slide right? What happens? You slide down the water slide and then you got to walk all the way back around to get up there, whether it was involuntarily or or voluntarily. And so that's a big thing that I think a lot of people got to recognize, be a be okay with accepting that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And especially in business, it takes a long time because there's so many different moving pieces. and a lot of the times that's what we don't want to do. We don't want it to take wherever we don't want it to take forever, and it's easy for us to see Alec where he is today, right, casting over where he is today, but not understand. Like you said, for people that are looking at the poker and they say, "Hey, I want that type of success, you started playing 15 years ago right? But even yeah. younger, you started training your mind when you were already betting and you were weighing your odds and, and saying, hey, can I win this bet? That was something yeah. that was training very early. So that's significant to know.
1: Yeah. And I, I, wrote, a, I wrote a piece, I produced a video on this too, about uh, how I became an overnight success. And it's like a catch because you know it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, right? And so it's like you know, your success sort of compounds over time where you're putting in all this work in the beginning and you're making this incremental progress and nobody's really noticing and you're not really seeing any results. But then over time, you know, those those that work you put in eventually compounds to where you get to a point where like now you're making serious progress. But the thing is that most people quit before they get there. And like I said before, in poker, it's like something where you really find out how bad you want it. And, uh, and that's important because you know, you need to do something where you're intrinsically motivated enough to want to really work hard because you you can only push yourself with willpower so much and all the step the setbacks uh, happen faster than the climb like think about it like you you climb to the top of a diving board it takes a while like you climb 10 steps to get to the top and then you jump off it takes a second right the same is true in every setback right like or with diet you know you you eat clean for a month and you lose a couple pounds and then you have three bad days on a weekend and gave it all back. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, you're always going to be very challenged. And if you're very destination oriented, then you know, you're probably pursuing something that you shouldn't be. Uh, hmm. And if you're really Let's journey oriented, on that. What, what, like, I mean, if you're journey oriented, in the sense that like you, you get in the state of flow while you're doing the activity that you're doing to get to your destination and you love what you're doing, it doesn't really feel like work. And that's like, especially in entrepreneurship, I mean, if you have to have a job because you have to have a job, fine. But if you're, you know, presumably a lot of the people listening are entrepreneurs trying to start their own thing. A lot of people look for the destination of which thing going to make them the most money. Whereas, you know, in business, there's a lot of ways to make money. A lot of businesses will make a lot of money or at least provide a great lifestyle for people. Uh, so I think it's really important to have something where you're really getting in a state like a state of flow on a daily basis with whatever it is that you're working on, and you kind of lose sense of time because you're so absorbed in it and you love what you're doing. The problems seem more exciting. You become more curious about them and they, they don't seem like problems, they seem like fun obstacles and challenges. And then, you know, the, the success eventually comes. But it's it's the product of doing your job correctly, which it's not like necessarily the goal. I think the goal is really to be in a flow state during the journey. And poker gave me that because I loved the climb. I loved walking up the mountain as much as I love putting a pole in the top and saying, I've been there and taking a photo. So I think that's really the process that that, that I think I challenge people to look for is like really find a path that you want to climb to get to the top of the mountain. Don't fixate on being at the top of the highest mountain.
0: I love it. I love it. And that's something that I've always told my students, right, is you don't have to, you don't have to, well, here's what I say. I say that you don't have to necessarily love the journey, but you have to be married to the destination. But I think that it's kind of the same thing of what you say is because you're just saying, still keep your eyes on it, but find some path that you can keep going when your why is really the calling for it because your journey will be tough no matter what you do. Right. There's, there's always going to be the times, like you said, that you're not going to be motivated. Everybody's not motivated every second of the day. But if you can find uh, a common denominator in this thing that you say, I do like this part of it, and you can find a way to do more of that, that's going to get you there a lot sooner because you'll have less I would say like veering off the path, trying to find something else that you're going to do, and then you hate that, and then you go back and you go forward. and I think that's what a lot of business is, is a lot of people, they never find that one thing that they just kind of love to do, and they're always so fixated on the journey, but it's a two-part process, would you say? Yeah, you
1: really have to find what what only you can do and what you can do better than everyone else. And then you have to find a way to spend as much as your time, as much of your time doing that as possible and then outsourcing or hiring or partnering or surrounding yourself with people that are better at all the other things. So like in, in my business, you know, I'm really good at one or two things and I try and say, okay, I understand that especially in the beginning, you have to kind of do everything to get to where you could only do more of what you want to do. But as I can start finding other people to do the other things that they're better than me at, I try and outsource those things and you know, use my time to make money and pay people to do those things that they're better than me at and then focus on what I can really do really well. So it's, in the beginning, you're kind of scrambling, you're throwing things on the wall and finding out what sticks, but you're really experimenting to find what it is that makes you unique. And what is it that makes your business or you as an entrepreneur different than everybody else? And then how can you leverage that and find, ways to spend more of your time on that one thing that makes you stand out, whether you're selling a service or a product or whatever that is. And, and that's really what the game is. So it's, it's, it's kind of about marrying what is your unique skill set to something that you deeply enjoy and finding where those things overlap is, you know, probably where people should spend most of their time, you know, assuming that it also provides value to other people. So you kind of need that, that triangle, you know, like what you're really good at, what you enjoy and what provides value to other people is kind of where you want to, center yourself in the middle of that triangle. I love it.
0: Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. For anybody that's Thinking about getting into poker right now, we know that poker is a a business that you can create your own success. There's no shortage of games. You can have them at your home. You can do whatever you want, but it's not the same as it was back in the 05 days, 06, 07. Yeah. Do you feel like that people who are thinking about getting into poker, that's still a valuable way to try to create a living? Or would you say that they should maybe be looking at offering a service or a business to someone and then keep poker as your passion um, rather than going after it in the beginning for profit?
1: Yeah. So we have a, a program at Conscious Poker, an academy program where it's like a business course for poker. So it's like a poker school for business people that want to either go full play full-time or make poker into a profitable side hustle it's an eight-week program and uh, we just actually wrapped up last week and what uh, like part of the discovery process is finding where poker fits in your life right so it's either being the first it's either being the number one thing which is the primary way that you make income and support yourself and it is your number one business and then you have a side hustle or you have a primary business or a primary job and poker is the side hustle. And what I always say is that is, I think it's really cool to play poker, but it's not necessarily really cool to have to play poker. So I recommend for people that if you're debating this, it means that poker is not your number one. The people that know that poker is their number one don't really have to ask the question because they're clearly – they're just like cut out or meant to be or they're so driven that they – will stop at nothing to be a professional. And it's kind of like that in other industries. Like if you know you're an artist or an athlete or whatever it is, you don't need to ask someone else type of thing. So like people that are kind of on the fence, they love poker, they think they can make money at it, they think it would be fun, they would like to make an extra thousand or a couple thousand a month, and they think they have a knack for it, they're good at it, they wanna study. I think it would be, Good for them to, to pursue it and to try and get as good as they can, either for the love of the game and to enjoy it. Why not make money at it if you love what you're doing? Why not make money on the side as well? But I think it, I, would, I would keep it as that number two piece of the puzzle and, and, and accentuate your current lifestyle with whatever that is. So I would keep whatever it is your number one and work on poker being that number two. It would still be important to have it be a profitable business, a profitable endeavor. You still wanna apply all the practices of the professionals with managing your money and your mindset and treating it like a business so that it is a successful endeavor. But at the same time, it's always at that number two place in your life where there's something else that's the number one. And then poker is the side hustle to that number one. I think that is a great balance for most people. It takes a lot of the stress off and it's still like, Fun, dream, vacation money, side hustle money, and it's a great a great accentuator to whatever that is that the primary thing that they're doing.
0: I got. It. I I love that. And and the reason why I ask though is because when you first start playing, I think it's very hard unless you you know that you come in with the mindset that hey, I'm only doing this for fun. But if you have nothing else going for you right now, and as far as like if you're just working a job, I think it's very hard to separate. Should I be trying to do this full time and for a living? And a lot of people they jump in straight for the profit, but then they don't have the education, and then it's a battle within yourself to say should I keep going with this or should I not and now I don't know that there's besides obviously your program and and uh, I don't know that there's a lot of coaching teaching programs that are out there to teach somebody how they can get started from day one on how to build the right resume and the right knowledge for poker what would you say is there a lot of yeah. programs
1: so there's definitely to be fair there's a lot of like poker strategy training sites where they teach you how to be better at poker strategy uh, and there's there's, there's decent amount of those on online. But where I think that we approach it a little bit differently at Conscious Poker, that's, you know, we try and distinguish ourselves uh, from some of the other training sites is that we really try and take it like a holistic approach and say, okay, like how do you make your poker journey successful? So it's not just about you being better at playing the game of poker. As anyone who plays poker can attest, it's about being a better poker player, which is managing your money, treating it like a business, your mindset, your tilt control, your emotions, your purpose. Uh, your routine, all the other things that comprise a winning poker player. So we try and, you know, we have a poker business course, which, you know, the first couple, the first part of the course is about, setting up a sustainable business within poker. So how much money are you gonna to allocate to this game? What stakes are you gonna play? Are you gonna play cash games or tournaments? How often are you gonna play? Which Where are you gonna find your games? Are you gonna play online or live? Where are you gonna find your edge? Uh, what's your hourly rate gonna be? And how do you reverse engineer to figure out how many hours you need to play to accomplish your lifestyle goals? So th- this is sort of like where I think we're really unique in our approach. And so that's why I call it the poker business course because that's, that's really what it's meant to be. And it's also you know meant to help people have that self-discovery process where they figure out where poker fits in their life, and then what what kind of lifestyle they want to have, and then how much they need to make playing poker, and then how to reverse engineer to make the money they need playing they want playing poker to to help give them that lifestyle that they're looking for. So that's a lot of what we what we work on. We do have the strategy component as well. We have different membership tiers and stuff like that for people that want the strategy uh, side of things as well. So we kind of take that balanced approach to help people attack it from both sides and I think that really is what makes a successful long-term uh, well-rounded winning player in today's environment.
0: I love it. Cool man. For you right now are you still focused on poker?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you know my my journey as a player has evolved over the years where in the beginning I was like only playing poker and that's like mainly all I was doing. I was only dedicated to being the best player I can, competing at the highest levels, traveling, you know, I traveled around the world full-time and just like you would in tennis or golf, just playing in different stops and different places, lived in Macau for a few years and Vegas, the whole thing. Now it's like more, when I opened to YouTube five years ago, I started sharing my journey. And so like my relationship with poker changed a little bit because I started not just playing poker and trying to compete, but also just sharing a little bit of what I learned. And then that YouTube grew organically and like my brand grew organically. And so it it was then about saying, okay, well, how can I, serve these people that are asking me similar all asking me questions and so that led to like a poker business being born where i was like selling coaching because people were asking i was selling like training books and and products and services and a membership and a poker school and so then it's became it's become more of a balance between okay i want to play poker and i still want to excel and i go to the world series and play on these streamed or televised games when I can mm-hmm. or when I'm in a place where there is poker there's there's high stakes poker in the place that I'm at because you know it's it's very location centric where there's only decent sized poker games in a few places around the world and the rest of it is now like coaching where I'm like now coaching others you know five years later after starting my brand it's been like okay now I'm coaching clients and I work with them to help them succeed at poker and that's as rewarding as as me climbing the mountain, it's helping other people climb the mountain. And so as I've progressed and, and evolved as a player and played professionally for 10, 15 years, it's also equally, if not more rewarding now to help others and, oh. and, and see that growth or light bulb moment in them. So now it's, it's a lot more of a balance between you know playing and also creating content and coaching and sharing and that sort of thing and running a business, frankly. So oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's evolved a lot over the years and increasingly more toward the latter in, in recent years. Uh, and that's been really, it's been really fun. So I'm still really involved in poker. I'm also, you know, studying very often because I'm still like helping solve other, solve other people's problems and running equities and in the lab and that sort of thing as I create content and products. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's more well-rounded now, more balanced now. And it's, it's, it's a lot more fun. And I think, you know, you always have to be growing and evolving. And so this was that next step for me. And so it's fun to see where it's going now and where it'll take me in the future.
0: And that's cool to hear. And the reason why I asked that, there's a couple of things. First off, the reason why I asked this is because when you're playing poker and you're traveling all around the world, for a lot of people, it's hard to balance that. For you, do, when you were traveling, did you have a wife and kids or was it only you?
1: Well, I started traveling when I was 18. So then it was only me. Uh, I met my wife when I was 24, 24, 25, like just turning 25. So I started traveling with her when I was like 26 and so then she I started going to
0: these tournaments with you.
1: Yeah, and we started traveling together. We ran an online business together as well, uh, doing marketing, and so we did that together for like 4 years, like traveling around full time. Uh-huh. We lived in Macau for 3 of the years, so that's is an island off the coast of Hong Kong where there's, you know, there's some of the biggest games in the world, the, you know, the, the kind of like the gaming Mecca of the world uh-huh. is there. And so, yeah, we had we had an apartment there and lived there, and then traveled back and forth between there and whenever there were other poker stops, whether it was in the U.S. and various cities or Europe for the European Poker Tour, and you know, really traveled quite often. I would say pretty much full time for that that whole time until we, you know, did it a little bit less in in recent years, but we still travel often. Uh, You know, we divide our time between the U.S. various stops in the U.S. and Italy, where where she's from. So. We really like that nomadic lifestyle. We're lucky to be able to work online and play poker. And, you know, you can do that from, from various places. So uh, it's fun. Does she play Keeps poker us. as well? <laughs> no, no. No? She, she knows how. And she's, she's actually quite good, but not, like, competitive. Got it.
0: And that's, like I said, that's a big deal, because for a lot of people, they struggle with that balance. And if they didn't find that person who is essentially can be like their soulmate, and that's willing to travel with them and do everything, it could be hard to really have that connection. If you're just traveling, and you're leaving your significant other, or if your significant other is even in the US, but they're on the other side of the country. So you have to, you know, travel to see each other, that makes it really tough. Um, So that's why I asked that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can see that being very tough. Yeah. I mean, ideally you'd be in a spot where you can do your thing, whatever that main thing is for you, for your business or whatever that is. And then, you know, have access to a casino locally, which is in a a decent amount of places. There's, you know, a local card room in many cities and, you know, you go play there on weekends or at nights and you run your business during the day and you kind of have a great balance between that. And it, it, it almost feels like, cheating because you're like wow poker's like a hobby it's a leisure but then at the same time you're like wow I'm making you know whatever Good it is money. What, whatever it is you're, you're making on the side and it's just adding to your lifestyle and that's that's a great balance without the traveling and then you could take you know one or two trips a year which I have a lot of clients that do they're like look I you know I have a family and I want to go to Barcelona in the summer because it would be really fun and at the same time I know there's a European poker tour there in August so if I can go there and then hang out in Barcelona for a week with the wife and kids and play poker and poker pays for that trip. That's a win for me. Cause I'm like, you know, on a free roll, I just go for free. Uh, I get to play poker, which I love poker pays for the trip. And I also take my wife or the family or the girlfriend or whatever. That's a great balance. And I think, you know, taking a couple poker trips a year and trying to make it work with those numbers uh, is a great, a great balance for a lot of people. And that's a, that's a lot of what I work on in with clients or in the programs like that. So that that's a really good balance, I think. And it it doesn't have to be more than that. You don't have to be on the road full-time or anything like that unless, you know, it's it's like you're full-time competing, you know? So that's the cool thing about poker is it's quite flexible and you can pick and choose where you want to go and um, which destinations and which situations seem profitable and also exciting.
0: Yeah. And the second part of that is you talked about you were already great at poker. You were doing it great. But then you you understood that you wanted to really venture out and start to share and document your journey and then organically yeah. it started to grow and I say that because a lot of people that are listening right now they're already great at maybe one thing right whatever that job is whatever that skill is that they've already acquired maybe it's accounting maybe it's video or graphic design it doesn't matter but they haven't started to share their journey so they can't evolve which is the word that you use and so I think that that's a significant thing for many people to hear is to understand right now just assess where you are are. and if you're already great at that one thing now just start to share your journey you don't have to be an expert but there's going to be a lot of people that will have questions because you're only maybe one or two steps ahead and so they're saying hey you were just where I was maybe three to six months ago how exactly can I start to blaze my own path like you did and so I hope that somebody took heed to that as I did is just to share your journey document your journey and that yeah. could be the only thing that you need to open up your organic relationships with your audience.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, there's so many things to unpack there. I'm glad you said that. I mean, sharing your journey also really helps you understand what you're good at and it helps you find your voice because it it forces you to be concise and provide value to other people. So if you provide value to other people, you have to find out what it is that you can provide value at. And sometimes you throw darts on the wall and, you know, some of them miss, you try and create a piece of content. It doesn't resonate with your audience you create something and people love it. And you're like, oh, wow, I got to do more of that. And I, you know, I discovered that early on where I was creating a piece of content called the hand of the day where I shared an interesting hand of poker I played from various tournament or cash game around the world. And I talked about the strategy that I used in that hand. And people love that. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, so this is you know, something I'm good at. I'm good at teaching poker strategy. And that led to you know, conscious poker in the whole school. Uh, and then other pieces of content I've created haven't stuck as much. And some of, some of them have. And so you, know, you kind of have to experiment with it. But the other thing is, I think people think that, you know, they have to be great at something to start sharing. And it's like a lot of it is is more about being authentic than being an expert. And so if you are starting out something and you're trying to brand yourself as an expert, then there's an incongruency and people are going to think, you know, what is this guy doing? But if you are authentic about the fact that you're just starting out your journey, whether it's whatever, whatever type of journey it is, an entrepreneur journey, a weight loss journey, whatever it is, and you're saying look these are the things i'm learning these are the things i'm trying this is a total epic fail and i just you know had a setback and it didn't work but you're documenting that and you're sharing that and then you start to share your successes along the way and you share the things you've learned on the way that builds interest and trust with your audience and then they can see this progress of you going from you know beginning and you know bootstrapping whatever it is you're doing your, your sharing journey or your entrepreneurship journey to finally having some wins and successes and as you get better and so I think it also holds you accountable, too, because now you have, like, you know, you're making some things public. You're saying, like, look, I'm I'm going to launch this project in the next month, and here's where I'm at, and in a month it's going to be done. And you're like, well, I just told people I'm going to do it, so now I have to do it. And so right. there's a huge, like, there's all these other ancillary benefits that are hard to kind of see or quantify or understand in the beginning. And then when you start doing it, you start to realize, like, wow, this is, you know, th- th- there's amazing things here. There's also the aspect of, like, you could stumble upon, A business or like building a brand that leads to monetization in the future, even in ways that are hard to understand, whether it's through speaking opportunities or a book deal or, or like collaborations or investments or partnerships or like people just opening, opening doors to you because people like you and your personality and your content. And that's because you're putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable. So, so many doors have opened me from creating content in ways that I never would have imagined because people that I've worked with or that have come in contact with either that have emailed me or clients of mine that I've coached in poker end up having other you know mutually beneficial skill sets and we end up doing other things together and so there's so many things that have come out of building a brand over the last five years that I never would have even dreamed or quantified or imagined in the beginning but I couldn't recommend that enough to anyone that is interested in in building a business to also do a side uh Project of sharing that journey and in, in finding a medium that you're good at communicating in, and then focusing your energy on creating content for that medium. You know, for me, it's, it's video because I'm comfortable on video. Uh, I grew up on camera playing poker and musical theater, and it was on TV at a young age playing poker. So I was just comfortable on video. Uh, for other people, it might be podcasting. For the people, it might be aud- for, it might be writing, you know, and so really finding the medium where you can share content and committing to doing that. I think would be a great step for many people listening.
0: I love it, man. It's this so true. And, and that's something that I share with my audience all the time. So hopefully them hearing it from another ear that yeah. uh, they take you so. to it for sure. For There's somebody out there right now that is very inspired by you inspired by your journey maybe they want to blaze their path in poker or they want to blaze a similar path as you of starting with poker but then expanding out becoming a coach becoming a speaker and building a brand but they have that little voice in their head and that little voice says that they're not strong enough they're not smart enough or maybe they just don't have enough resources what's the one thing that you would say to that person to get them to just take
1: action just that motivation happens through action and so a lot of times I feel like going through the motions of doing something creates this domino effect of you being more confident and better at it and more comfortable with it and wanting to do it more and I think people sit around waiting for the feelings that come with the action to happen first, but it's it's the wrong relationship, right? So a lot of times I get up and I don't feel like doing, I don't feel like working, I don't necessarily feel like working out or doing my routine or anything like that. But if I just do it, then suddenly I feel like doing it because now I've built momentum and confidence and I feel accomplished and I'm happy that I spent my time doing something important to me it's a lot of times it's, it's it's about understanding the relationship between okay you know this is a feeling i have this is an emotion i have this is a thought i have but then it's it's where you give your attention and what you really listen to and so if you're listening to the you know the voice of fear or the you know the the judgment of others or the concern about your image or what are other people going to think and you place that thought or you place that fear higher in your priority than your own desires to succeed or whatever then you're always going to be you know limited by your action because you're placing that as a higher priority whereas i think you have to you have to say okay like these are these are noises that i'm hearing but i'm not going to listen to the noise i'm going to focus on my own tunnel vision of what i want to accomplish and that's going to require this action and this motivation but in order to get those things i have to be the one that initiates that process so i just have to go through the motions i just have to hit the publish button. Like I have to put out a piece of content. It might be a piece of crap content, but you at least you at least did it. And then the next one will be a little bit better. And that fact that you did it is like, okay, now I can do it. I've proved myself that I can publish a piece of content, proved myself that I can start this project. And then you build on that. I proved myself that I can hit the gym once. And then, you know, you build on that and that makes you more excited about doing It It gives you more confidence in doing it. And that domino effect compounded over time is what leads to success. It's not the other way around. It's not like you're sitting around waiting for this moment of nirvana to start. And I think people have that relationship backwards. And if you just change that relationship and you just start doing shit from day one, everything opens up
0: there you have it I think that's a perfect way to end you have to prioritize what you're going to believe are you going to believe in the fear are you going to believe in the limitations are you going to believe into your desires and what you want to accomplish and your ability to be able to get shit done so that has been a phenomenal way to end it let me ask you for anybody who wants to stay connected with you we'll put the links in the show notes below but where can they find you at
1: thanks for that Well, so if they want to reach out to me personally, my social media is just at Alec Torelli. My name, A-L-E-C-T-O-R-E-L-L-I. And I'm on Instagram or Twitter or or Facebook, LinkedIn. That's very easy to contact me. I read all my DMs and emails and whatever. So hit me up. Let me know you found me here and on Dream Nation and uh, we'll, we'll connect. Otherwise, if you want you could also go to alexfairly.com, learn more about me or whatever. But if you want some poker content, you can check out consciouspoker.com or youtube.com slash conscious poker. And that's my YouTube and my blog, my training site, where I have tons of free content, like 500 videos, tons of blog posts, free guides you can download on how to improve at poker. So it really depends on what you're after. But one of those two places is definitely where you can learn more about me and and some of the things I've done done in terms of content wise that could help you on your on your journey, whether it's, you know, entrepreneurial or, or in poker. So reach out to me, say, Hey, uh, I'd love to connect.
0: Got it. We definitely will do. And like I said, we'll drop the links in the show notes, but awesome. again, my man, thank you. We appreciate you coming on. And just as he said, dream nation, you have to take action because otherwise, you know, if you don't, it will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?